Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Kurt and Blake's Comic Conundrums and Other Geek Speak. I'm Blake. And I'm Kurt, and we're back once again to keep you up with the geek world. Yep, it's always changing. We're here to help you keep up with it. First bit of news this week is about the Twilight Zone reboot. Uh, it's coming back with Jordan Peele, uh, director of Get Out and former of Key and Peele. Um, he is helming it, and he is going to actually be the narrator for the new CBS All Access uh, Twilight Zone reboot. What do you think, Kurt? Well, yeah, he's taking the Rod Sterling role from the classic Twilight Zone. Right? Yeah, I also think he has more of a control on the production side as well. I, I don't know how much Rod Sterling was involved with that. I think um, my understanding is Sterling was the writer and, and everything. It was very involved. Um, but I loved Get Out. And I love the Twilight Zone, and so I'm, I'm really excited about this, Blake. I kind of want to, I think that October is an appropriate month to announce the reboot, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, I'm a little disappointed it's going to be on the CBS streaming app, um, just because it's another thing you got to purchase, you know what I mean? It is, but of course you're not as big of a Star Trek fan as I am. I mean, I have no reason to purchase the CBS streaming app except for Star Trek Discovery. So my thought was I'll just get the free month binge and let it go. And I think a lot of people are probably doing that. And so from CBS's standpoint, they might just be trying to get some more content on there so people do have a reason to, to pay for it. And I don't think it's as expensive as the other streaming services, but I mean, I'd rather see it on a, some type of service that I already have, but my guess is CBS wants to kind of bump this service up and, and make it something that more people want want to uh, subscribe to. I just find that interesting because if you were to look at the CBS lineup on television, it's not that strong. Um, and I feel like this Twilight Zone production with Jordan Peele, who's a big name right now, would really bump your nightly lineup. Um, but I guess this is just us seeing the change in TV where it's the more prestige stuff, I would say that this is kind of prestige, is going to streaming services. I agree. I agree. And I mean, I think we all agree on which way TV is going, or maybe at this point we can say has gone. I mean, don't get me wrong. The networks still get the biggest share and the largest amount of viewers, but streaming is definitely the way of the future. Another reason they might be putting on the streaming services, who knows how edgy it's going to be, and I suspect Peel will be tackling some social issues that CBS might want to have that extra step of distance of the streaming service as opposed to their over-air broadcasting. They, they, my sense of CBS's viewers and viewers in general of over-air television with the three networks is that they're more conservative. I would and, just say more older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I don't mean conservative yeah. in a political sense. Mm -hmm. Although that's probably true, too, but older, I think, is maybe a better way to put it. Um, an audience that maybe isn't as plugged in to some of the social issues um, of today. So that might be another thought. I don't know. I can't speak for CBS. Obviously, we're just speculating here. But they might want that little extra bit of distance. And, you know, younger people are more likely to subscribe to a streaming service. And I think younger people are more plugged into to some of the issues that Peel might be wanting to tackle with this show. Yeah, I guess, you know, we'll wait and see. They're working on it right now. They've started production. Um, 
I I love Jordan Peele's work. I'd love him on Keen Peele, and Get Out was great. And right now he's got the pick of whatever he wants. I mean, I thought he was also working on a uh, Amazon Prime show that's supposed to be like a Lovecraftian kind of thing. Yes. Um, so that dude's staying busy. So I guess we'll see what his work looks like when it comes out. He's hot right now, and I think CBS is wide to kind of hitch themselves to to his wagon. Yeah. Our second piece of news is the Daredevil Season 3 teaser trailer that was released last week. And at the point of this recording, we are six days away from the release of Season 3, uh, October 19th. Um, what do you think, Kirk? Oh, it looks great. It looks great. It, it, from what I've read, my understanding, and from what the trailer looks like a little bit, is that this is going to be a little bit of a take on Frank Miller's famous Born Again um, arc from Daredevil in the 80s, which is, I think, still to this day, one of the most well-regarded things that Miller has done, and just in the comic book world in general, it's still very well-regarded. I love, and correct me, Blake, if I say the name wrong, Vince D'Onofrio, is that right? Um, He's he's a great actor. When he was first cast as Kingpin, I thought, can he pull off Kingpin? And boy, has he pulled it off. I think he's one of Marvel's better villains, both in the cinematic universe and on the television universe. It looks like he's going full Kingpin right down to the white suit. I'm excited about this. What do you think? I think it looks really good. Um, I'm a big fan of Vincent D'Onofrio. I think he gets kind of shortchanged. He's great in everything he's done. Absolutely. Um, I think that it's going to be interesting, especially when you look at the way Luke Cage season two ended, where Cage is kind of becoming a villain. Well, now you have Matt Murdock, who was trying to be above board and fight things using the law. He's going to take a turn of where I'm just going to be a vigilante, you know, crime fighter. Yeah, and, you know, when we think of the things that happened in the 80s, where comics really started to skew a little bit darker, you know, we think of the Watchmen, we think of the Dark Knight, and I don't know what came out first. But a big part of that was Frank Miller on Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I mean, Daredevil does have a history of being a darker, edgier character. And Matt Murdock, unfortunately, is one of these uh, characters who spent a lot of his history being beat down. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, normally when I hear gritty when it comes to a movie or a television series, that gets me worried. Uh, but uh, with this Daredevil, it's definitely a little bit darker, a little well, bit grittier. It's a character that fits the grittiness. Right. Um, you know, you kind of see that a little bit in Luke Cage and even the uh, Iron Fist is that those weren't really super gritty characters, but they tried to make them that way, and I think that's where the shows kind of struggle. Um, but I think it fits with Daredevil. I mean, that first season is just phenomenal. And I, I honestly think the second season is still pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a shift there in the middle when you go from the Punisher stuff to the Ninja yeah. stuff. But I think it's. I think season three looks really good. They're going to introduce Bullseye, um, which will be fun. A very key villain in the Daredevil mythology. Do we know who's playing Bullseye? I believe we do. Um, I'm also really excited. I really like the actor who plays uh, Foggy. Oh, I do too. I think that character is phenomenal. Um, and I mean, it, it's really just an all-star cast. Yeah, and of course Iron Fist, I guess we could make this a separate part of the news but we're on netflix so that's that's just been canceled and it didn't really work i think season two is better than than the original but you know i'm hoping marvel can get a little boost um from this new season of daredevil 
don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed the second season of, of Luke Cage. I know the ending was a bit controversial. But of the Marvel TV universe, Daredevil's always been my favorite. Yeah, I mean, he is probably... I mean, he's one of the top B characters, wouldn't you say? Daredevil's kind of one of the B yeah. characters. And there was a time when he was Marvel's best-selling comic, when Frank Miller was there. So I don't know that I'd consider him an A-list character, but definitely in the 80s, for a few years, I mean, there was times where Daredevil was actually outselling Claremont's X-Men, and that's a big deal. I mean, it didn't happen very often. So I'm not surprised that season three is going to be kind of a riff on Frank Miller's work in the comics in the 80s. We've been critical of Frank Miller, but I think we both agree he definitely has some work that was visionary and very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did finally, they haven't announced who the actor is because officially playing Bullseye. Um, there is word that it's uh, this actor, Wilson Bethel, who's playing a character. He's a series regular on the show. Okay. Um, he comes from the soap opera Young and Restless, and uh, he's also done some stuff for... Uh, CW. So he's a solid actor. Good. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. We'll probably break it all down one episode for the one big thing. I know I'm going to plow through it. Oh, I will too. I haven't done Iron Fist season two. I'm about three episodes into it. I think it's definitely so far better than season one. Um, you know, casting wise, we were talking about the casting bullseye. I think. Marvel's TV series, they've definitely done a very good job on casting with the possible exception of Danny Rand, although I think that actor is growing into a role a bit. But in general, I trust their casting. I think they've done a good job. Yeah, I think they... I don't know if Finn Jones would have been my first pick, but I think the problem with that first season was it was very rushed. Yeah. They were trying to put it out, and I think it kind of... You see the flaws in that. For sure. I, I And frankly, I enjoyed Defenders. And in the second season of Luke Cage, Iron Fist makes an appearance, and it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. He did a very good job, and of course, I'm a sucker for seeing Power Man and Iron Fist together. I enjoyed that comic when I was a, a kid, so, um, you know, I like Iron Fist. I'm sad to see it get canceled, but it never, I don't think it really came together in the way that they had hoped it would. Yeah, and I mean, even though season two was more well-liked, I think that Netflix is going to try some other stuff maybe and see what happens. Yeah, and I'm definitely excited for season three of Daredevil. And if it's as good as we hope it is, I, I would expect they'll keep on with it. I would expect we'll get a fourth season. And I mean, my understanding is, is that Netflix has the rights to continue with characters that they currently have from Marvel. So I think Daredevil's one of those. I, I know Daredevil's one of those, obviously, but I think they'll have the ability to keep making those shows. And because I know there's, we've discussed it before with Marvel streaming, or Disney streaming app coming up, what will Netflix be able to do? Will they still partner with Marvel? So hopefully this is a good season, and hopefully we'll see see more of Daredevil. Yeah, well, and since we talked about Marvel, why don't we talk a little bit about DC? Uh, just reported, um, we have an article from... GameSpot, and this has been confirmed by other outlets, is that James Gunn is going to head over to DC and write and direct Suicide Squad 2. Yeah, this is huge. This is huge. This is what DC needs. 
Um, it's what they've been working on. I mean, they pulled Josh Whedon. Now they got James Gunn. Well, you, I don't know if you remember, but we were playing Dungeons & Dragons one time, and I kind of jokingly, but not totally jokingly, said DC should just let Marvel Studios make their movies. And I don't think that's going to happen, but I think Disney made a huge mistake in overreacting to the James Gunn thing, and it makes sense that Warner Brothers would grab him. He's, not only does he have a good history with Marvel characters, but those characters... I don't think anyone expected Guardians of the Galaxy to be the breakthrough hit that it was. I think it's very much James Gunn's writing and directing and kind of uh, his comedic take on the characters that mm -hmm. made those movies a success. And hopefully it can give DC a little bit of a boost in their universe. Yeah, I'm interested. You know, I'm a big Suicide Squad fan. Uh, I love John Ostrander's run on the characters. Um, I was disappointed in the movie. I think there are some good elements to it, but it needed to be cleaned up. Uh, and I think James Gunn would be the guy to do it. I'm a little disappointed he's not doing a Justice League Dark movie because I think he would be really good at that. But So I guess my question is, what do you want to see him do with the Suicide Squad? Well, there's an article that came out, I think, a day ago on CBR, and he's saying it's going to be a completely fresh take on the franchise. Um, I don't want to see Guardians of the Galaxy, the DC version, but I do really enjoy the humor that I see in Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, what I'd like to see him do is cast uh, or film some scenes in sunlight, not use a rain machine, and give, give us a little bit of, of humor. Um, but at the same time, the Suicide Squad, my understanding of the Suicide Squad is they're criminals, mm -hmm. right? They're kind of a, would you call them a dark, uh, wetworks-type team? Yeah, so when I, when, if I'm thinking of this movie, I'm thinking this would be kind of a little bit darker. You can have a dark humor to it. But what I kind of want is, like, I want this being the government is, like, trying to overthrow something. Or there's this problem that they need taken care of. And... They've got these villains, and they're like, look, if you go do this job for us, we'll knock some time off your sentence. That was one of my biggest problems in the first film, is that the Suicide Squad was working with the army, but that's not what they do. They are the team you send in when you want a problem taken care of, and you don't care. You can't be associated with it, and you just want, you don't care if they die. Right. You have plausible deniability yeah. if you're the governor. Um. Yeah, and, and and I think James Gunn can probably do that. They've got good actors on the, lined up for Suicide Squad. I assume Will Smith will still be there. Margot Robbie, was, is it Robbie or Robbie? Margot Robbie. Yeah, she'll still be there. By the way, we watched her in the Tanya Hardy movie. And she's phenomenal. Phenomenal in that movie. It's also got the actor who played Bucky Barnes, or who plays Bucky Barnes. Sebastian Stan. So yeah, I'm excited about this, and, and I think Warner Brothers is working hard to write the ship. And Disney just threw him a bone. And um, they now have Patty Jenkins. They've got James Gunn. I don't know um, if Josh Whedon is still going to be working with them. But, you know, they're getting past the Snyder era. They've got a couple of solid names, people who have had a lot of success in writing and directing. James Wan, who did the uh, Aquaman film. Absolutely. And I'm excited about that. So I'm really hoping that some of these classic characters that we grew up with, we can start seeing. And, and Suicide Squad, I wouldn't put in that realm. Uh, but still, I, I'm kind of hopeful that 
DC will write the ship and we'll be able to, to see some of those movies done right and get excited about it in the same way we do the Marvel movies. I'm also excited. I don't know who's directing it, but I'm excited about the uh, Walking Phoenix Joker movie. Mm. You know, so yeah, I see Warner Brothers doing some things to, to try to get it back, to try to write the ship a bit. Well, and they have the Shazam movie coming out. I mean, there's some, there's some gems in there, possible yeah. gems. Well, it's funny, you know, everyone is talking about Warner Brothers is blowing up and this and that, but they actually have more in production and more going on right now than Marvel Studios does. Yeah, I think that's true. I also think Marvel Studios is structured in a way that everything was kind of hinging on these Infinity War movies, so everything else kind of got put on hold. I mean, well, let's just jump into our fourth topic. They officially announced that Black Ryan Coogler is writing and directing Black Panther 2, and he's working on that right now. How huge is that? And that's Ryan Coogler. Everything he's done so far has just been, a, as you say, a gem. And I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the new Creed movie, but I'm very disappointed that Ryan Coogler is not doing it. So I'm very happy to hear that he's going to be involved with Black Panther too. I mean, Coogler right now has the top pick of whatever he wants to do. And speaking just real quick, that new Creed movie, the new trailer, it looks awesome. I I love that they bring Dolph Lundgren back in. Um, you know, he's going to be, he's, I mean, Creed, Apollo's, Creed's opponent is Dolph Lundgren's son. Right, and I, and I hope I hope they keep it to that. I don't want to see some geriatric Dolph Lundgren. You don't want to see him like the punch at Sylvester Stallone? Maybe a punch, but I don't want it, I want the movie very much to be about Creed. Yes. Because I think that's what worked with the first one. It's, it's neat that Rocky's there, right? Mm. But I want the focus to be on Michael Jordan and his character. It's neat that they're continuing that that Dolph Lundgren's going to be there, and and that the person that Michael Jordan is fighting is his son or movie son, yeah. um, Drago's son. But yeah, I, I wanted that to be the focus more than the focus being on Drago and, and Rocky because that movie was terrible. Um, it's probably the most well-remembered Rocky movie, but I think it's one of the worst Rocky movies as well. Well, anyway, back to Ryan Cooler. So they're so I mean. Now we know Black Panther is, you know, T'Challa is coming back from the snap, or is he? Oh, now you know? You, I, you didn't know that before? <laughs> there, I can't remember who wrote it, but there was an article floating around that essentially there is ways to do these films without those characters. Like T'Challa, without Spider-Man, without the Guardians of the Galaxy. You could have Shuri be Black Panther, which she does in the comics. Right. You could introduce Miles Morales as another Spider-Man, which I think that would be a bold move considering you've only got one Spider-Man movie. But hey, I mean, Miles Morales is pretty big in the comic culture where, like, I don't think it would be impossible to introduce him. Well, he's been introduced, just not as Spider-Man. Yeah. And then with the Guardians of the Galaxy, you could do the... Rocket joining up with kind of the older team that they hinted at, the Ravengers, and they're, like, pulling a heist or something. So, I agree, you could do those things, and I'm glad someone spent the time to think about a way to do it, but... You're not gonna. It's not gonna happen. These characters are money in the bank. Although, I do, I think down the road, I can definitely see Siri um, becoming the Black Panther at some point in time. I don't think it's ha- gonna happen now. But, and I definitely could see Miles Morales. I can, I can see those things happening. I don't think they're going to happen now. As you say, especially with the Spider-Man, you've only, well, we're going to have two Spider-Man movies. And, and we know the next one is going to have Tom Holland. Mm. 
But yeah, you could eventually transition to these other characters. I just don't think it's going to happen after the snap. Yeah, no, I was just throwing that out there as there were these theories that, oh no, even though they're they're very essentially guaranteed their sequel to all these things, it's not who you think, but yeah. I'm excited for, for anything Marvel Studios does. I'm just worried that, that now that some of their people are going to DC, I'm worried that I'm going to hear Scott Snyder to direct Captain America Part Four. But that's not <laughs> that's not what they've done though. Like I feel like they Marvel is like Josh. Thanks for all your great work. Have a nice day. Uh, Russo Brothers, you guys are awesome. Come here. Uh, Tahiti Watts, I, or if I didn't pronounce his name right, the guy who did Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. come on in. They are opening up their the type of directors they're bringing in. So I right. think. And we've been critical of Marvel. Uh, for some of their movies not being as diverse as they should have. I mean, it is ridiculous that we're onto what movie number twenty, and we've never had a movie starring a female lead. Well, until Captain Marvel this next year. Right. On the other hand, behind the scenes, they've done a very good job in getting in practicing diversity and getting new blood in there. And- a l- a little bit better. They could still. I think they're they're wor- they're building towards more. They right. are more open to it than I would say DC did. I mean, I give DC all the credit letting Patty Jenkins do Wonder Woman, but, I mean, everything else they did was done by Scott Snyder. Or uh, Zack Snyder, my bad. Yeah, I think I said Scott Snyder, too. My my bad as well. But let's face it, Patty Jenkins and Ryan Cooper, Wonder Woman and Black Panther, have blown the doors off this old theory that you 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 had to have a white male lead to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Movies were both. But they were both popular. Going back to a discussion we had before the podcast, they were both good and popular. And, and financially successful. Well, I mean, now they're, they're talking about Wonder or uh, not Wonder Woman 3, Black Widow. Uh, Scarlett Johansson signed on to do a movie. Yeah, I feel like that should have been done five years ago, but I'm, I'm glad to hear it's, it's being done. I, I like Scarlett Johansson and her character. I mean, I, we kind of criticize Marvel for not given her her own movie. But on the other hand, I also enjoy very much that Black Widow has been strewn throughout a lot of these different movies, right? She was in Iron Man 2. She's been in the Captain America movies. She's been in the Avengers movies. So while she hasn't been the lead, we've seen her a lot. It's kind of like Hawkeye. Like, he's there. the character is there. But I do think, honestly, I would do a Black Widow movie and throw Hawkeye in there a little bit. Like, they're on this mission together, you know. I'm I, I'm interested in the origin of the character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or maybe even the modern character in the Marvel comics, because when she was introduced originally, it was very much this Cold War Soviet Union background. Um, so I'm interested to see how they tweak that for the well, modern day. Yeah, I mean they kind of hint to it in uh, Age of Ultron, like the Red Room and this dark history for that right. character. So. I think it'll be really cool to see what they do there. But, Mar- I mean, Marvel's just loading up right now. They're getting ready for, what's it, Phase 5? Yeah, and what do they have in production right now? Just, well, I don't know if you would consider Black Panther 2 officially in production. I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. You've got Infinity War, or whatever the next movie is, Infinity War Part 2. Mm-hmm. That's almost done. And then you've got Captain Marvel. I don't think they've got anything else going. I anything see. else in production, because they've put a pause on Guardians of the Galaxy 3, right? Yeah, um, I think they're they're kind of in pre-production on Black Widow, like getting stuff together for that. And then, I mean, they're working on the new Spider-Man far away oh, from Oh, you're home. right. That's in production as well. 
And that is Marvel Studios, mm -hmm. even though it's a Sony type of, kind Shared, of a partnership yeah. with Sony. But, I mean, also I think part of it was Marvel put on hold their productions to see what happened with that Fox deal. And now we have the chance of mutants. Yeah, and I know we're getting far afield from James Gunn, but um, what I'm seeing from Fox continues to excite me. I'm really excited about the Dark Phoenix thing. I don't know if you've seen the new trailer. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I know that that's going to wrap it up. That's probably going to wrap it up for that version of the X-Men. But I, I think overall, they had a couple misses overall. Fox did a very good job with that. Can't wait to see what Marvel's take is on it. Um, getting back to James Gunn, I made no, no secret last time on our podcast of what a mistake I thought that was, that Disney kind of knee-jerked and overreacted to some tweets that came up that had actually come out 10 years or so ago. And, you know, it's going to be to Warner Brothers' benefit, and maybe it'll be to the fans' benefit. Maybe we'll start to see some, some better movies out of the DC universe. Yeah, I guess we'll see. And, you know, you know we, we kind of mixed two and three, or... Uh or two of our topics together with James Gunn and Ryan Cooler, but I think right now DC is trying to pick up some talent and Marvel is just telling the talent they have to keep working on whatever you want. Yeah, I think so. And the one thing I want to see from DC, and, and I think with Patty Jenkins from DC, but you made a very good point earlier when you talked about Marvel is kind of cultivates new talent. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid to bring some new directors in and let some old ones go. And, you know, I'm, I think maybe DC made a mistake in, in putting all their eggs in one basket and not doing that. And I think getting past the Snyder era um, gives them an opportunity to, to try to find the hot new directors or the hot new writers or get, and, and take some different takes on things. So hopefully, I think it can only benefit us as geeks to yeah. see more more good uh, content coming out from both Marvel and DC. And, and we all have also talked past podcasts but we're going to start seeing some valiant stuff and stuff from the other than the big two mm -hmm. i'm waiting for my saga tv show oh man such a great it, it might be the best comic book out there right now saga yeah so let's kind of get into our one big thing for this week and you know there's some, there wasn't really anything major that we kind of grabbed um so since it's you know October Halloween, we thought we'd talk about horror movies, uh, some of our favorites and some ones we really recommend. So Kurt, what is your favorite horror movie? I don't know if I'm prepared to answer this. I mean, I grew up just a horror nerd, but at the time I grew up, it was more of these hacker and slasher movies. I mean, we were reading Fangoria myself and one of my cousins. We were just into the horror stuff. We'd read Fangoria magazine. We liked uh, Friday the 13th movie, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the Halloween movies, the Hellraiser movies. Um, and, of course, some of those franchises, uh, Hellraiser with Clive Barker, Halloween um, with uh, John Carpenter, mm -hmm. and Nightmare on Elm Street with Wes Craven, the initial entries into those series were pretty good. And then they, they got silly, I think, as time went. Um, the Friday the 13th movies, which I always enjoyed, I think they were always... They were a little more campy. Of a, yeah, more campy, a little bit more low budget. But when um, Jason went to New York, things kind of got off the rails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they jumped the shark on that one. If they hadn't jumped the shark earlier with someone coming back from the dead every other year, they definitely jumped the shark with that one. Especially since he was only in New York for like five minutes. Um, but I, So I don't know what my favorite one is. I, I really enjoy Hellraiser. 
They'll tell you if you've got a weak stomach, stay away from Hellraiser and maybe anything Clyde Barker. Um, but I, that movie was relatively low budget, but they did some really good casting and the story is, is solid. And it's not just gore. There, there's a lot more going on. It's also got a real thriller component to it. Um, and I feel the same way about the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Whereas I think Halloween and the Friday the 13th movies are more straight horror movies. So that's what I grew up with. Obviously, there's many horror movies I've since then. I've seen since then. Um, but I don't know that I can really put my finger on what my favorite one is. What, what do you think? So I would say probably one of my all-time favorite horror movies is Scream. That movie has it all for me. Um, I think it's great. It's got an all-star cast. Uh, it's just fun. It's got that little twist in it that you can kind of see, but it, it was surprising at the time. Um, and then after that, I think another one of my favorites, it's a newer horror film, It Follows. I think that movie is just, there is just a sense of dread with it. Um, I would not call myself a horror aficionado, but my but wife, wife is. is. Yes. And when we were in high school, that, that was back when Blockbuster was open, and I had an unlimited rentals pass, and we would essentially spend our weekends She'd come over, we'd go over to Blockbuster, rent a movie, go watch it, go back that same night, get a second movie, watch it, r- return it the next day, grab another one. We worked our way through Blockbuster's horror section. Okay. So we saw them all. And then even now, we're like tonight, we might do a double feature with this British horror film called Ghost Stories and then this new Netflix one called Apostle. Like, we always see the latest horror films. And... I don't know if you consider this horror, but Twilight Zone definitely touches on that. And we talked about how, how much we're looking forward to that. And, and we talked about Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. So Get Out. I don't know if, if that's considered horror. I think it's so. Definitely a very good movie. You mentioned Scream and It Follows. I loved It Follows. Um, it, it's just an interesting take. And, you know, there is some drama and some buildup there. The thing I find interesting about Scream is you and I are different ages. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're quite a bit younger than I am. And Scream, what Scream is, it's Wes Craven, who did Nightmare on Elm Street. But essentially, Scream is a parody of the movies that I mentioned that I grew up with. And so I very much enjoyed Scream as well. Yeah, it was, um, Scream is one of probably the best, one, in my opinion, one of the best slasher films, where you have, like, the first Scream. Uh, once you get to Scream 4 and things kind of get off the rails, although I thought the reboot was really interesting. Um, the MTV series? The MTV sh- series is really good. I watched all okay. of it. But they did, was it 5? But they did a reboot where, and I'm going to spoil this a little bit, it's um, the the Campbell's daughter, or like niece, she like becomes the killer. Oh, And it's really it's just a that. really interesting twist if you get the chance to watch it. Yeah, and in the first one, they talk about the rules. Mm-hmm. The rules from the movies that I kind of grew up with. Uh, it's a great movie. And, and, and you know, rest in peace, Wes Craven. You know, we lost a lot, I think. If, if you're into horror movies, I think we lost a lot when he passed away. Um, but, I mean, now, you look at horror movies from the 80s, 90s, and 70s, and then you look at horror movies these days where we're at, there's been this resurgence in art house horror films. You know, A24, it comes at night. A24 is hereditary, uh, which, I mean, there's just these very beautiful, scary movies that are coming out along with your The Nuns and Saw movies and 
Yeah, horror was definitely, for a period of time there, kind of a dying genre. And it's come back in a big way. And it's come back, I think, I think one of the things that caused it to kind of be a dying genre to fall off a bit was that the movie series that I had mentioned just really got campy and, and bad and cheap. And now they're coming back with a lot of quality. I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching this movie you turned me on to, The Witches. The Witch. Called? The Witch. Yeah. Um, and that looks like a good one. And, I, and I, there's We're getting some quality writing in that genre where for a long time I think it just boiled down to killing people, you know, hacking people up, that type of thing. Um, it was more gore than thriller. Yeah, I I actually think you see, so there were the slasher movies of the 80s and 90s, and then in kind of the 2000s, you saw these more body horror movies, your saws, your hostels, um, your hills have eyes, where... Which like, was a reboot from the 70s. Yeah, but they were more graphic horror, a lot of like mutilation stuff, a lot of like things like that, and then in 2009, you kind of saw this shift into more demonic stuff. Right. With the paranormal activities and the conjuring, um, and also in that time frame, there was a huge like four year span of found footage movies, which are always great. Um, it's almost as awesome as I love any movie that starts with like based on a true story, right? For these like hauntings and stuff. I will say, I did like the first Hostel movie. I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure. I don't. I don't think it was terribly reviewed. But you're right, it's hard to watch, and it's because, of, did you call it a body? Body horror. Yeah, it was, there was a lot of torture. I mean, there was a story there, and mm-hmm. it was a good story. But there was definitely, it was Eli Roth, a lot of torture and a lot of stuff that was difficult to watch. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of one of the leads. He's ended up being turned into kind of a star. He was also in uh, um, Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. He was one of those football players. He's done some other things. But, yeah, there was that shift. And I think that shift is for the better. I mean, you can only do so much body-type stuff, right? People get sick of it. Yeah, I've seen all the Saw movies. They get old real quick. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, And often these things will start with a good idea and a nice twist, and then they just beat them to death. You get into part three, and you're thinking, where is this going? Is this just the same thing again? Well, and you see that, especially when the paranormal activity stuff starts, was where these companies were making horror movies for a million, one, one, two million dollars, and they'd make, you know, 30, 50, 100 million back when they release it because, you know, people like horror movies. Um, so then that's how you end up with five paranormal activity movies. That's how you end up with four purge movies. I mean, yeah, the first you one. You make them cheap. Yeah. And they make money. Um, and, you know, they, it's not like they were hiring, like, famous actors and actresses. I mean, this new Halloween movie that's coming out at the end of the month probably has one of the biggest name actresses in it, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis. Going back to her roots. Yeah. And so I am excited about that movie, and I think the wise thing they've done with that is the original Halloween came out in 1978 or something. And Jamie Lee Curtis was a teenager, and then they made sequels of varying quality mm-hmm. over the years. And some of the sequels are actually pretty good. But John Carpenter's involved again. And instead of saying, hey, you had to watch these seven sequels to know where the story is, what this new Halloween movie is, is the only thing that happened was the 1978 movie. None of those other sequels happened. So the only thing you have to be familiar with is the original Halloween. And this is Jamie Lee Curtis 
40 years later and Michael Myers 40 years later um, continuing the story. So you don't have to have watched eight sequels. You know, you just have to, to be familiar with the first movie and, and this is picking right up after that first movie. Well, not right after it time-wise, but story-wise. So if you had to recommend three horror movies for people, what would be three movies that you'd tell people to see? Well, this is off the cuff. I haven't planned this, though. Right now, um, well, that's a hard question. You, you want me to give you a minute? I can tell you my three. Go ahead. So I would recommend, and these are three different types of films. Um, if you are a fan of kind of like slashers, you know, your uh, Mike Myers, your Jasons, uh, I would really recommend the remake of The Town That Dreaded Sundown. It good is, choice. It's a really good movie. Um, really strong, you know, like slasher horror. Uh, it's really good. If you want kind of a demonic movie, the first Conjuring movie is really, really good. Um, it, I think James, I believe James Wan did it. He really made something great there. I think it was James Wan. Yeah. And, um, it's great to watch before all the craziness that came afterwards. Um, and then my last pick is kind of a art house you won. The newest movie, Hereditary, it is phenomenal. It's dark. Um, there's a little gore in it, but not a ton. And it's just this crazy movie about dealing with grief and demons. Those are three good choices. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like Get Out's got to be on my list somewhere. I enjoyed it. If we're going to consider that a horror movie, there's some good social commentary there. Mm -hmm. There's some almost Stepford Wives type social commentary. Um, I very much enjoyed Get Out. Um, off the cuff, I think the original Nightmare on Elm Street is underrated. It's a very good movie. Um, it's really before Freddy turns into a campy type character. It's scary. Freddy is scary in this movie. Um, it's got a good theme to it. So I would suggest that one. Um, it's a hard list. Um, the original Halloween, I think, is pretty good because I think that kind of started the slasher genre to a certain extent. Um, so I think those three would be a pretty solid list. I think I'm reaching back. I'm showing my age a bit, except for with Get Out. Um, but I, I think, uh, I mean, you like your slashers. Yeah. And, and really I would say the original Halloween, um, that's a slasher. I think it's well done. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street has got more going on with the dreams and, and that type of stuff, mm -hmm. the dream world. And it touches on uh, sexual assault and some of those subjects that were, I think, more taboo in the eighties. I mean, Freddie is essentially... A pedophile who's sexually assaulting children and the parents in the neighborhood got together and killed him and burned him to death mm. and he comes back in the dreams of those adults who are those now ch their children now that they're growing up and to be teenagers there's something going on there that i think is somewhat unique um, and then get out also has some social commentary as well i think just to throw out an honorable mention the new it 
I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. It's worth seeing, huh? Yeah. Um, they're, they're working on part two right now. Yeah, and we did kind of leave The Shining out of this, too, didn't we? I enjoyed that movie a lot. The, the Jack Nicholson version. I really enjoy that film. I cannot stand... Why can I not? I do not enjoy how they made... Um, hold on, I'm looking up her name. Shelley Duvall. I do not appreciate how they made her act in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are just scenes in there where it's just... I'm Her... Her line, the line of thinking that they created does not make sense. Yeah, you would do things differently, I think, nowadays. Yeah. Jack is great in it. I'm surprised that nobody's tried to do a remake of that one. You know, Stephen King released a book, I, I'll say two years ago, maybe it was longer. Um, that's actually a sequel. Doctor right? Sleep. And yeah, it's, it's the the kid. Grown up. The Shining grown up. I haven't read it. I don't know if it's any good, but yeah, maybe they'll make that into a movie. Well, I'm just, I mean, even though, like, The Shining is so iconic, like, it's been, hold on, I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, that was the 70s, right? 80s. So it's been 38 years. The Shining wasn't. Since okay. The Shining. Well, was surprised nobody's taking a pass at that. 1980. Well, they did make a TV movie of it. One of the guys from Wings played the Jack Nicholson character. I don't, Stephen I King liked that one better. Oh, really? Yeah, he was not a fan of the Kubrick Shining. It has to be hard to be an author and not have control when they make your stuff. You know, you, it's got to be hard not to be critical. Well, and the book is not like the movie. The I mean, Kubrick really played up some elements that were just very small in the movie. But that's because, I mean, that's Stanley Kubrick, one of the most visionary directors of our yeah. lifetime. And, you know, since we're getting into to that kind of the author's take or making a movie, a book into a movie... I'm going to say Interview with the Vampire was very good. Brad Spitt, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Kirsten Dunst. Very much enjoyed that. Um, I don't know why. I think Anne Rice was happy with the movie, but complained about the casting of Tom Cruise, mm. who I think is excellent in that movie. But I, w- I guess if I was going to give an honorable mention, I, I might put that yeah, one up there. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so it's you know Halloween, if you're... You know, there's always a bunch of horror movies out there. Let us know what your favorite horror movie is. Maybe write in. I've seen a lot of them, but I'm always looking for new ones. Okay, Blake, I have to, i got to make a change. I okay. cannot have a list without The Exorcist on it. So I'm going to remove the original Halloween and put The Exorcist on my list. That movie scares the shit out of me every time I see it. The, so, The Exorcist we watched recently, and once you get past that opening, like, scene, the movie gets kind of boring. And also, The Omen. Those movies do not hold up well, in my opinion. I think, I, I would agree with you on The Omen. I think The Exorcist does. But it's definitely a slow build. Yeah. There's no question. It, it was a different time, too. Um, but yeah, I can't argue with the fact that it's a slow build. But once it gets going, look out. That is true. Um, one thing I'd like to throw on with The Exorcist, uh, if you ever are looking for something to listen to another podcast, maybe. I mean, I don't know why you need another one with, you know, you have us. But they did, there's this podcast from this network called Wondery called Inside the Exorcist. And they talk about how that movie was created and, like, the stuff they did. And it was really fascinating. Right, right. It's actually based on an actual exorcism. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, just the movie production, like, the little girl, they don't, use her voice it's another woman but like there were some issues about 
how much money and stuff. Like, there was a lawsuit. Oh, there's issues. There's issues with the things that they make that little girl do. But that's interesting. I'll have to listen to that podcast. Because I've always been fascinated with the movie and, and kind of the genesis of the movie and the backstory and where it came from. Yeah, they do uh, really interesting things. That podcast network, Network Wonder, they did a Inside Psycho where oh. they talk about Alfred Hitchcock making that film and like where he was at in his career and you know the changes he had to make and it was just they really do like deep dives on certain movies. And we are remiss for not mentioning Hitchcock until now on our Halloween podcast here for our horror podcast. Other than Psycho, I'm not a huge fan of the rest of his work. And a lot of his work, I don't know, is it more thriller than horror? Yeah, like the Psycho is probably more of a thriller, but I mean. The Birds, I wouldn't be like, it's a horror film. I love The Birds. Okay. All right. Well, we're at the last segment, so why don't we do our geek out, and then we'll call it a day. Well, I read I just read the first issue of Heroes in Crisis. It's excellent. It's got many of DC's heroes, both some of their iconic heroes, and I think some of their lesser-known heroes, although I'm not as immersed into the DC universe as you are. Uh, it's written by Tom King. The, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head who the artist is. The artwork is very good. And there's something interesting going on with it. I don't want to totally spoil it. But I think some of the foundation of the book is that superheroes are constantly fighting. They're constantly fighting crime. They're constantly in fights. And that takes a toll psychologically to be in conflict and in physical conflict all the time. So a lot of these superheroes, someone creates a place where they can go and get treatment, and chaos ensues. But, you know, it, it's, I'm very impressed with it. Um, That's illustrated by Clay Mann. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with it all around. Um, you, you know, to me, comic books are a visual medium. I've got to have good writing as the foundation. But I read comic books because I'm looking at them because they are a visual medium. So I'm also happy that there's some um, good artwork in it. Um, the book's a bit thin. Well, I wish it was longer. You don't get a ton out of the first issue. But I very much enjoyed what there is there. And I'm going to continue with the series. Yeah, I picked up the first issue and I really enjoyed it. Um, my geek out is it's October. So you know what that means? We're entering into award season. Right. Uh, the Oscar movies that are going to start really kind of rolling out. Um, I know, what was it, last week, between this weekend and last weekend, we had um, A Star is Born and First Man. Yeah. Uh, I've got the uh, Spike Lee film Black Klansman uh, on hold from the library. I'm hoping to get that because I think that's going to get a nod. It's on my uh, list as well. I'm, I'm excited for Vice. And Beautiful Boy and Boy Erased. There's a lot of stuff coming out, and I, I can't wait to start diving in. Yeah, I've seen A Star is Born, and it's a very good movie. It, it, I, I mean, it's been well-reviewed. I know there are some people out there you know, that are saying it's overly sentimental, that type of thing. But I, I would recommend it. I think people will enjoy the story. And... Um, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised at Bradley Cooper's singing. He's very good. 
and of course Lady Gaga um, has a voice that just won't stop. <laughs> she's she's incredible. She does a good job acting in the movie. Um, another one that I think will get a nod is Black Panther. I think we both enjoyed that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the movies that you just mentioned, I haven't seen, but I'm looking forward to to seeing them. And I think many of them are either just now coming out or, or aren't out yet. Uh, although Black Klansman's been out for a while, I just haven't gotten an opportunity to see it. Yeah, so maybe as we get closer to the Oscars, we'll do a little bit about it and talk about them. But that's it for this week. Um, you can email us at comicconundrums at gmail.com, and you can find us on Instagram at comicconundrums. And you can find me, Blake, at Board Nerd on Instagram. And our Facebook page is coming. It's yep. on hold right now. But we are, I am working on it. So everyone have a good week.